Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok for another edition of Star Wars Rank. Today, just me ranking things in Star Wars. Going to be a little bit of a different episode, I think, for Center friends. So, hello. Thank you so much for supporting us, uh, being on the journey. We are in our sixth year of doing Force Center, approaching 1,000 episodes overall we just hit 300 on the main show and we just uh, whether you've uh, been listening to us from maybe even before joseph jennifer and i started for center or uh, recently popping on board we just love you here uh, being with us and sharing the celebration of the greatest saga ever told and that's kind of my focus today i wanted to go back to the beginning i wanted to rank and talk about my five favorite star wars memories I was a little bit younger. And uh, look, there's a lot to uh, probably list. I I could go back in some of them, to be sure. I've even mentioned and discussed on Force Center before, perhaps even on Spotlight Star Wars, the main show. They just kind of, they're part of my tapestry of Star Wars uh, building blocks, and I'll share them every now and then. I've definitely definitely written about some of them in the book, Why We Love Star Wars, and and, and they're just, they're that powerful. And I just was thinking today, it was, I knew this was going to be a, a solo episode of Star Wars ranked, and and we love, again, we love to do it all. Vehicles, favorite vehicles, favorite villains. Uh, we Joseph and I doing the action figure ranking one has been one of my favorite journeys, just kind of looking back on, on all the figures up until the recent lines and just discovering what those figures and those memories of getting those figures mean to us there. But today I wanted to go uh, almost back to the beginning and and just kind of look at uh, how I became a Star Wars fan, quite literally. What made it uh, jump off the screen for me? Uh, What made it grow and and what made it just, uh, I keep saying like the building blocks, but what kind of built this strong foundation of being a Star Wars fan? And as we always like to say here in Force Center, this is, uh, you know, going to be things that are from my journey as a Star Wars fan. And I always say and I always feel that even though it is uniquely my journey, it is a shared journey. We all come to Star Wars from those different points. We love celebrating and talking about the 
entry points into Star Wars. For me, I am an original trilogy kid, born in the 70s, raised in the 80s. Ah, the glory days of wall-to-wall Kenner action figures in the in the toy stores. Kids, let me tell you, it was everything. Yeah, you would think it would be if, if you didn't get to experience it. You might be a prequel baby. You might be a special edition kid, which, uh, which I actually believe is one of the underrated Star Wars generations. The, those that were like yanked to the theater in 1997 by uh, either an older brother or sister or mother or father or family member or just friends going, you got to see this Star Wars thing. And to see in the theater, uh, as a lot of us saw it again for the first time, and for so many seeing the special editions and that being the first time they see Star Wars, I think that's an underrated entry point into Star Wars and uh, we and all the entry points we talk about. But well, you might be a sequel uh, fan that uh, came to them uh, of all ages. You might be a Clone Wars fan that that was the first time you really explored Star Wars. And one day we will be saying, yeah, there's going to be Star Wars fans that uh, first were exposed to Star Wars because of uh, Forces of Destiny or Galaxy of Adventures, Star Wars Resistance, any of those things. Uh, we love talking about it. So I'm going to share mine uh, and I hope, as always, that you can find part of your own Star Wars soul and your own Star Wars journey in what I'm about to talk about here today. So we are going back here. I uh, hope you enjoy my personal memories, my Star Wars memories that helped build me into the fan I am today. And what kind of fan I am today? Someone that just absolutely loves Star Wars. What's your favorite Star Wars movie or TV show or book or comic, Ken? All of them. All of them. Even the ones that challenge me. Even the ones that eh, sometimes don't grab me as much or fall flatter than the others. Doesn't matter. I'm here for Star Wars, and let's go back to where it all began. With my number five personal favorite Star Wars memory, we are going back to the 70s. We're going to Orange County, California where I was born and raised. It, quite frankly, is probably on the cusp. It might actually be into the 80s. If I, it might be 80, 81. I don't know. That's kind of the point of, point of this memory. I don't really know. I've I, I mentioned before, uh, going to the drive-in, seeing Star Wars in 1977, I'm one. I'm Google gogging in the back of the Volkswagen van my parents had me swaddled in. I had no memory of it. Um, but by two, three, four, five... You know, things are around. You're seeing action figures. You're seeing things on TV. And you're seeing, you know, you don't know what you're seeing sometimes. I feel, uh, I feel by 6 or 7, you're starting to really soak it up more. By 9, 10, 11, 12, you're becoming either a consumer of pop culture and living in the world. And you're starting to really understand. And you, and you can uh, roam around the, the landscape of pop culture uh, as a functioning member of it. But 4 or 5, you're just taking it all in. It's all imagery, really. And I, uh, I've said before, but like I, I used to see Battlestar Galactic on TV and think that was Star Wars. I used to think Buck Rogers on TV and think that was Star Wars because I used to see Star Wars in pictures or magazines or maybe a trailer on TV. I don't know, a Kenner commercial, and I'd think that was all the same. I remember going to some family members' houses and some of my cousins had Star Wars action figures, uh, Battlestar Galactica action figures. I think they even had Dukes of Hazard action figures. And I thought Boss Hogg was a Sith Lord. He might have been, for all I know. And it wasn't until, again, I, I, now I think about it, probably after, 
Empire Strikes Back. Orange County, California. There was a family that lived near us, friends of my parents, which is so weird to think because back then, of course, they all seemed ancient. Uh, they were probably in their mid-20s. Uh, my dad might have barely been 30. My mom might have been 30 as well. It, age is a, is a weird thing, is it not? Anyways, we're at a gathering, a picnic of some sort. I remember there was a lot of people. I've always been kind of a shy kid, uh, especially if there's no microphones around. I started broadcasting at three with my dad on a reel-to-reel tape. Um, if you didn't put a microphone in front of me, I just didn't know what to do. And I still, quite frankly, don't know what to do if I'm not talking into a microphone or staring into a camera or on a comedy stage. I am an awkward, uh, quiet, stoic individual. So I was at this gathering, a lot of families, a lot of kids, and I remember just kind of gravitating towards the living room by myself. And I think uh, my dad was probably trailing me to make sure I was okay, probably on orders by my mother. And the man of the house, the, the dad of the house, um, uh, he, I, I don't even remember his name. I, I could probably get that from my uh, parents. I do remember his uh, wonderful wife. Her name was Carol. And uh, she uh, was of Hawaiian descent. And I remember there was one at one point where um, I, as a youngster, oh, we're getting personal here. Uh, my mom had to had to borrow <laughs> her milk to feed me. This is how close they were as friends. Okay, this is what was going on. Crazy times in the seventies. So here I am, quiet little Kenny, sitting down in uh, the living room, not knowing what to do, feeling a little left out. And my uh, friends, uh, my, my my dad's friend. So, so I, I, I can show him something. I can show him something here. Hold on, hold on. Let me go get something. And he comes back down the stairs. It's a two-story house. I remember that. And, and he comes back down with a golden case and then a, like a dark black case. And he starts coming closer. And I see they're, they're like faces on them. One's kind of a big-eyed, golden kind of robot. The other's kind of a menacing little, uh, looks like a robot as well, but just kind of dark and menacing. So, of course, by now, y'all know where I'm going with this. It was the C-3PO and Darth Vader classic Kenner carrying cases. And this is this is not reprints. This is not something he got off of eBay. This is something he probably went out to get, like a Woolworths or a Toys R Us or whatever was the toy store of the day in Orange County in the late 70s and early 80s. And then he did something and I, I will never forget with my dad there kind of like, oh, hey, Kenny, look at this. Look at this. He cracked open the cases. And there proudly displayed was every Kenner figure of the time. Now, my dad's always been a casual Star Wars fan. He just loves big event movies. But back then, I, they weren't super uh, you know, they weren't super Star Wars fans. They didn't sit down and, and, and kind of infuse me with the love of Star Wars. It just kind of happened naturally. But it might have been one of the, the uh, something about this moment might have, might have been one of the, the key moments is why I'm ranking it here. And I have such a foggy memory of it. But I just remember, and he's, he's pointing at every figure. I don't know what I'm seeing. Hoth, Luke, Bespin Luke? I don't know. I don't really have a detailed memory. I could say, I guess I remember seeing Stormtroopers or an Ugnaught or Yoda. I don't really know. I just remember the carrying cases. But I do remember every figure and every section in there filled to the brim with Kenner plastic and Kenner molding and Kenner Star Wars toys. And he explained every figure. Explained it to my dad and explained it to me. Again, it's so foggy I don't remember. 
But I do remember the joy in his face. And I do remember him having a story, essentially, for every figure he told me. I can only imagine what he's saying. Oh, this is a Hoth, uh, uh, this is a snow trooper. This is Han Solo in his uh, Bespin pants. This is Leo Organa in the Bespin uh, gown. I, who knows? Who knows what he was saying? And they, you know, they they were probably the telescope and lightsabers. They were probably, who knows? It was probably the Jawa with the vinyl cape and, and, and the non-vinyl cape. But who knows? And I, I don't know what happened to this guy. We moved uh, from Orange County in 1982. Um, I'll have to give my folks a call and say, whatever happened to those neighbors? Because I'd love to maybe talk to him. And, and if he was, if he's still around uh, and, and get his feel on Star Wars now and, and, and get his uh, get his story about what he felt as, as someone in his late 20s and 30s uh, experiencing Star Wars as, as it exploded on the screen and then falling in love with the figures. Because I grew up and was growing up in the 80s of the big toy boom, He-Man and G.I. Joe and My Little Pony and all those things, you know, I just, it, it, it almost is, t- I, could, I guess I could almost take it all for granted that the toys were just there and they were part of the experience. But we all know the story. In the late 70s, it wasn't part of the experience. Toys existed. Movie toys existed. Uh, but Kenner took a shot. The mail-away campaign almost uh, sunk it, but the shot was taken and the shot succeeded. It hit the bullseye. And Star Wars toys become something just as we all know by now, something we couldn't even comprehend. And I'll never forget that moment, as foggy as it truly is. I'm probably filling in some of the blanks, but the the the, the vibrant memory of those Kenner carrying cases being brought down the stairs and every figure having a story is something that I always will remember and will always feel a sense of gratitude to. That started beyond this all encompassing Star Wars journey. It wasn't just a TV show. I mean, I like TV shows. I I was a big fan of Chips, big fan of the Muppet Show, big big fan of the Mandrell Sisters. Who doesn't love a good variety show? Um, But nothing nothing seeped into my heart like Star Wars did. And that's that's kind of the earliest memory of it, which is why it's by number five. My number four favorite personal Star Wars memory is uh, jumping a few years. We've moved up to the central coast of California from uh, SoCal. And uh, we uh, grew up in a town called Arroyo Grande, California, near a city of Pismo Beach. Uh, A lot of you, uh, Pismo Beach gets mentioned a lot in pop culture. Clueless, Big Lebowski. I think Desi and Lucy, uh, Lucy took a trip there once. Uh, And then uh, uh, I think Roadrunner, Bugs Bunny, eh, Bismo Beach always pops on up there. Uh, San Luis Obispo, that whole area up there. So I was uh, in uh, elementary school at a place called Margaret Harlow Elementary. And again, this is uh, is about 83. This is post-Return of the Jedi, 83, 84, and, uh, you know, different times. Uh, You kids these days, if you're on a playground, you've got some nice, safe, plastic playground equipment to uh, roam around on. You have, uh, you've got some bright, maybe some bright reds and yellows and blues. If you hit your head, maybe it's not even sand anymore. You might have a nice, safe rubber, uh, you know, mat to hit your head on if you're playing around, you know? So, uh, and I don't uh, begrudge any of you. But I grew up in an era where they said kids uh, need a little, uh, some playground toys on a, during recess. Got it. Here's some hot metal that will <laughs> basically catch fire in the sun. Here's a... Uh, 
some giant swings with uh, big chains on them. I don't know. They can jump out of them at 50 feet as they, if they really get them going. That doesn't matter to us. Uh, we just need them to get some exercise. They're drinking from hoses anyways, right? We had this absolute monstrosity of a uh, jungle gym, whatever you want to call it. They did eventually remove it. Uh, who knows how many kids got hurt on it. Not only was it, uh, you know, this is a um, first, second, third, fourth grade type of era. I don't know, you know, I'm three feet if I'm if I'm a foot. Uh, you're still kind of small, but you had to climb up to this wood monstrosity. It was wood, like not sanded down, safe wood. It was like we found this in a forest. Bigfoot might have been using it. It's yours now, and it was up on poles, wooden poles too, uh, about. Four, well, at least four, but I think about six poles holding this up. He had to get on these wood uh, platforms to climb up to it. And there was a slide. Oh, yeah, yeah, there was a slide. Uh, it was just a, uh, it was just a slab of metal bolted down on a, a slanted piece of wood. <sighs> you know, I, uh, I envy uh, the generations that followed that they, uh, they didn't have to get the splinters or the sun-scorched metal burns that we did. But uh, I guess it made us, uh, made us hardy individuals. But the benefit of this was this monstrosity of a play, uh, play piece, of, uh, piece of equipment was almost exactly like a skiff. The same skiffs floating around the Sarlacc pit in my favorite movie of all time in... This era, Return of the Jedi, the one that changed my life. So, naturally, as kids do during recess, uh, we reenact our favorite things. And I've mentioned some of this before. I, I was big on this. And I guess proof that I would eventually get into comedy and writing and creative endeavors. I, we didn't just hit the playground. If you were friends with me, we did not just hit the playground and just start running around like crazy. No, no. We assigned roles and we kind of said what we were going to do. Yeah, look, sometimes we might be G.I. Joe characters, other times Mask or Robotech or uh, a fateful day at my uh, Montessori school, uh, actually in Orange County before we moved, moved where I made my friends reenact scenes from MASH. That's right. I literally had some of my friends run around ducking because the helicopters were bringing uh, injured soldiers. Yeah, yeah. playtime with Kenny on the resource, uh, recess playgrounds was a little different. So I would lead the charge often of us uh, reenacting uh, the best sequence of all time in my head at seven, eight years of, of age, the Sarlacc pit, uh, pit rescue sequence. We assign roles. You're Luke, you're Han, you're Lando, you're this, you're that. And one of the unfortunate things growing up in the era of you know, boys' toys and girls' toys, this silly notion that uh, sides had to be picked and that toys were, were gendered. You, you, we, lost, uh, we lost out on probably, who knows, the countless uh, little girls on that playground who probably wanted to join us. And we, we though, you know, hey, you know the, the notion of girls ha have uh, cooties was, it was definitely, it was not an exact science, but we, we'd heard some theories that this was true, so I understand it. But deep down, I think we would have enjoyed it too because we needed a Leia. We needed a Leia. And then, you know, we would assign the role of Leia to, to someone and they didn't question uh, playing Leia, but, you know, the back of the heads are just, they, they, we, we wanted a more complete picture. Uh, you know, we're trying to figure this all out at seven, eight years old in 1983 and 1984. So I, I lament the, probably the amount of uh, 
young girls on that playground who felt that they uh, they couldn't ask to join, and, and we felt that we couldn't ask to join them. So that, too, is something I'm thankful has changed. But back then, we'd re- reenact the Sarlacc pit sequence. And to jump down into the Sarlacc, if you wanted one of the kids assigned the role of uh, a Weequay or uh, just a henchman, or maybe if you're lucky, Boba Fett, um, you had to jump down probably about 10 feet into the hard sand. Hopefully you didn't sprain an ankle or break a finger on the land, but uh, you'd land and you have to lay down there and play dead. And whoever the hero was the day of, of Luke, uh, they'd have their fun whizzing and whirring around with a lightsaber. Some great space work, by the way, if for improv experts, um, in their hands. And we'd go until the bell rung. Now, if we finish, we might start again, or maybe we'd add a little wrinkle to it. Maybe a Gamorrean guard got the drop on Luke this time around. I don't know. That'd be part of the fun. But that was, for all generations, hitting the playgrounds, uh, playing, uh, reenacting your favorite characters, TV shows, movies, yeah, maybe even your sports heroes with a Nerf football or something like that. It's all part of it. It's all part of just you daydreaming and thinking outside of your own world. In a way, it's us looking at the twin sons of our own lives and thinking of the larger world out there. You just might want to be on Tatooine or maybe you want to be in Yankee Stadium. It's all kind of the same to me. But I remember that. It's so vibrant. I mentioned it a lot. I've written about it a lot because it really established this idea that um, these were our stories. These were the characters we knew so well. These were the moments that were inspiring us. And we wanted to be part of it. It wasn't just a simple daydream. It was like a goal. I want to be a Jedi. I want to be a smuggler. I want to be a Gaborian guard. I want to work for Jabba. Didn't matter. And it was fun to be part of it. It was fun to live in the Star Wars world up until that recess bell rung. I'll always remember that. Thankfully, I never really got hurt, though. It was close calls, though. That's my number four. My number three personal favorite Star Wars memory is around the same era. It's a fateful trip to my local library. Now, this is interesting because if you uh, listen to me long enough, you'll hear at some point that I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars Legends and EU, blah, 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 blah. I say that a lot. That's just happened as I got older. It happened in this modern era where I just feel a lot of the EU stuff doesn't capture um, the, the real heart of some of what George wanted to do. Uh, but I do like a lot of the characters and the stories and am forever thankful for Thrawn and Zahn bringing him to the world with that series of novels and just kind of reigniting the love of Star Wars for many. And again, talking about entry points, those EU stories, those EU video games and books could very well be your first foray into Star Wars. And uh, for that, I am thankful that that brought you to us here. Over time, it would change for me. But on this fateful trip to the library, I found some Star Wars books. Now, I've had some copies of the novelizations of uh, New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi since that era. Shout out to Nan's pre-owned books in Grover Beach, California. I still have them. I still have my uh, name, Kenny, scribbled on the inside of the book to my old phone number just in case I lost them. Please return these to Kenny. But beyond that, on this particular day, because I had read those, and I had the, some of the Star Wars like picture books at the school library, and I've talked about some of those in the past. Uh, uh, there was another adventure one um, 
the name always escapes me. Some someone in the past has sent me a picture of it. It's it's got like there's a exploding sun. There's X wings. It's like Luke and Leia. It's totally not canon. It was like Star Wars is the only one we got, right? Okay, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. We'll do this crazy book for kids. Uh, who, who Luke and Leia are married in this one almost. It, it, it was a weird book. Um, but beyond that, on this fateful day of the library, I pulled off pulled off the shelf two Star Wars books. I was surprised. I mean, this is obviously not the internet age. It's not social media age. Um, I wasn't old enough to have Starlog magazine or anything like that. I just didn't know these Star Wars books existed. They're in the library, so they clearly have been released uh, prior to that. And uh, it was uh, Lando Calrissian and his adventures. I was just, you know, learning about Lando. I'd seen him return to the Jedi. Uh, I heard he'd heard tell of some other tales at a cloud city. Uh, more on that later about me not seeing Empire uh, uh, yet. But I just remember the utter just shock and, and surprise and joy of there's more Star Wars stories. It goes, it goes beyond the movies. And there was an old bathtub. I, I, I'll never, I, I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been in this library for years. Though my parents now live just a, a, a few uh, blocks away from it. There was a giant old like Victorian style bathtub in the middle of the library in the kids section and it had carpet in it. So you could just kind of crawl in there, lay down, uh, hopefully not catch any germs and give them to your parents and, and, and just read the books while your parents went into the library and did library things. Uh, and so I got, uh, a lot of times it was full with other ragamuffin kids there, but, uh, this day I got there, uh, and, uh, it was, uh, the path to this this bathtub was uh, clear. So I climbed in with this Lando book, two of them. And guess what? To this day, I I, I have never, I, I don't really know the title of the books. And I know, and I know in the in Solo Star Wars story, there's some deep, deep cut references to these books and, and they're all there. I've never really revisited them. I just remember cracking open these books. And now I'll flash forward a little bit. I, I was a little confused. Han and Leia and Luke and Chewbacca didn't seem to be there. Uh, Darth Vader wasn't chasing Lando. You know, my young eight, nine-year-old brain, I was a little confused about what was going on. I just knew, though, and this is what was the lasting effect, I just knew that the galaxy was big. It was full of other adventures and other characters, and I needed to know these answers. I needed to connect with these stories. Lando has always been one of my favorite characters, though this book kind of confused me again. I, I, you know, I thought Lando lived on Cloud City. It seemed, and now he's flying around in the Falcon. I, I thought that was Han. I know Han said something about him. I'm confused. I'm confused. It didn't matter. The content didn't matter. I just, I just never forget the joy of realizing the story of Star Wars went beyond what I had watched over and over again. That was inspiring. In its own way. And again, well, I'm always thankful for anything Legends in EU, anything that helped foster and grow the love of Star Wars beyond the movies. That's why it's mine, number three. My number two moment, all right, I'm cheating a little bit and going to high school. Oh, we're in the early and mid-90s range here. Oh, yeah, I graduated high school in 1994. I can barely remember that, but it's uh, it's there. And again, this is a different era. I am uh, 
I'm really happy. Some of you, some of you may be uh, younger listeners, uh, growing up in a different era where uh, pop culture is culture. Uh, pop culture art is art, and it is uh, who we are. And you can celebrate it way more freely. Doesn't mean there's not problems, and doesn't mean there's not gatekeeping and a lot of those kind of negative things. But it's it's a better time, I think, and I, I'll take that. We're we're always going to move forward. I always say, no matter what came before, we're here now, and let's build from here and learn from what has gone uh, wrong or uh, gone good in the past, and keep growing and keep going forward. And so it is with fandom, and so it is with nerddom. But I grew up in an era where, yeah, you were uh, as Joseph and I were discussing recently here in Four Centers. Yeah. You could be teased. You could be bullied. Uh, you felt you maybe had to hide that love of Star Wars. And as I got a little older, and I, I was one of those kids that did pick up an interest in sports, particularly baseball, and it's all part of it. It's all the same muscle, like I always say. But Star Wars is a shared language. It's a shared experience. Like we're hopefully uh, connecting all of you, or maybe connecting to parts of my stories uh, today, but. It's a shared language. It is a shared knock on the door of a speakeasy that we're all either inside or wanting to get in. And in high school, uh, during the early 90s, with uh, the uh, Zon books kind of it, Star Wars in this kind of dark period where it was this thing. It was almost, almost a relic. It was a thing I enjoyed still, of course. Oh, I'd watch the movies on the weekends, put in the VHS tapes or watch some of the uh, making of docs, the early versions, or thumb, th- th- uh, thumb, thumb through some of the Star Wars magazines I had. But it wasn't something I openly talked about a lot at school. I talked about other things. It wasn't that you just were trying to fit in. There's just a lot of competing interests for young minds, of course, as my mom would always warn. Um, but I did find a group of friends, and we all had a little love of things like this. The Star Treks. The pro wrestling's uh, Star Wars. And I had a friend, Mark was his name, big Star Wars fan, still is. Connect a little bit on Facebook every now and then. And uh, uh, we were uh, at the end of a lunch uh, period uh, at high school. We were both going to different uh, parts of the campus. Uh, there was a weird look intersection at uh, the campus of Arroyo Grande High School during this time. I think it might even still be there. It was just a, the school had expanded at one point in the 60s or 70s. And so you had the like main campus and you had like a side campus. And you, and you, if you had a class there, you had to get, you had to budget some time to get to those classrooms on time. You had to cross like a, just a asphalt wasteland of handball courts and basketball courts for PE, uh, past the football field and into the other section of the classrooms. Uh, it was off of a street called Orchard Street. So it was Orchard. Oh, I got a class in Orchard and I got to go. So my friend Mark had a fifth period class in Orchard and I had one more in the main part of the campus. And we were just leaving our little lunch area with friends. And there was a crowd. It always was this intersection, this crowded intersection of students trying to go backpacks hitting shoulders and uh you know jocks and nerds being forced to walk in each other's passes it was it was just a la 405 freeway traffic jam of young humans so mark starts going off to the left i start going straight and we look at each other we make eye contact and he's kind of being hustled and bustled away almost as if he's against his will being pushed toward orchard and i'm kind of walking the other way and he looks at me and i look at him and he just says that's the last mistake you'll ever make and that's all it took just eye contact just the situation and we both knew that this was luke and han being shuffled out of java's palace 
I guess, was Jabba in the situation, and I was completely fine with it. And I love that. I love those moments. I love the shared Star Wars language. I love that about pop culture. Uh, there's a point in time I could probably have an entire conversation with a couple friends of mine in Simpsons quotes. Uh, Star Wars is definitely part of that. Uh, I've written before about, uh, say, a, a love of hardware wars was something that connected another friend of mine, uh, my good buddy Joel, uh, in high school, same era. I made a reference to ham salad, and he said, wait a minute, uh, are you talking about uh, hardware wars and Augie Ben Doggy and all that? Yeah, absolutely. The Death Star is a basketball. Let's do it. And, and, and that connected us. It's a shared experience again. And you often think that you're alone, particularly in this era, but I think in any area, era, I should say. I think you think you're alone. And you think you see something. You think you are the only person who knows the tale of Wedge Antilles. You're the only person that knows this particular moment. You're the only one that saw that stormtrooper bonk his head. And then, and it's not in an ego way. It's not like I'm the only one with this knowledge. No, no, no. You just think I'm on an island. I'm enjoying being on this island. I wish there were other people here, but it is just me, right? And then slowly but surely, you start finding those shared connections. And that's the power of it all. You can just look across a crowded high school campus and you and your friend know that much like everything else in life, this is just like Star Wars. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for that memory. That's why it's number two on my list of my personal favorite Star Wars memory. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot of times here on Star Wars ranked at this slot in the show, we'll take a break and reset and come back with runner-ups. I was thinking about it. I I, I just there's too many runner-ups. It's basically my whole life, right? I was trying to focus on the little moments that just continued to build that love of Star Wars and make it bigger and make it seem like this is a world that I always want to come back to, need to come back to, especially long before the era of podcasts and YouTube shows and all these things that I love being a part of and, and consume as well. But back when it was just uh, it was you and your mind and your heart. So with that in mind, we're going to my number one personal favorite Star Wars memory. We are going post-Return of the Jedi, probably about 1984. Haley's Comet was above us, looking down. And I had yet to see Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I had a weird journey with Star Wars. In the drive-in for New Hope with no memory of it. Saw Return of the Jedi first and absolutely fell in love with everything about that movie I'd just seen. Read the books, got some behind-the-scenes behind the magazines, had the figures. 
but I hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back by about 1984. I remember distinctly asking my mom, you know, you're growing up, your parents are the experts of it all. Asking, oh, okay, but what, when Luke's talking about this, what's he mean? What's Yoda talking about when he rushed off to face Vader? What, what, what's going on here? Uh, how did uh, how did Han get in that carbonite? I, I don't under, I don't understand. Now I'd seen A New Hope, uh, as we'd all would come to know it eventually on TV. We had that. We had me again, like a lot of kids growing up in that era. Your copy of Star Wars uh, might have actually been the the VHS tape that your dad ran or your mom ran, and uh, you know you, you went to commercial breaks. You, you Star Wars looked a little different. Uh, everyone's worried about special editions, extended editions, director cuts, and everything. I had the TV cut, like. You know, I was, I was, and I was happy with it. So we just missed Empire. And again, my parents weren't Star Wars fans. So they, they didn't think I, you know, they didn't, yeah, I know you didn't see the second one. It doesn't matter. And I would pepper my mom with these questions and she just didn't know the answer. She would try. She gagged. She gave it her best. I didn't ask my dad because he didn't really watch him either. But finally, during that summer, I, uh, I don't want to say demanded. I wasn't a demanding kid, but I, I made it pretty clear that I, I think it was time I needed to see Empire Strikes Back. This was this was a key chapter in the story here. I gotta I gotta I gotta get these answers. And that's what it was. I mentioned when I was talking about the the Lando book, just realizing the story is bigger than what I saw on the screen and that there was other stories and other characters and other answers to what's going on out there. Answers are big. And for me personally, the way I consume Star Wars even now to this minute is answers. I want to know. It's canon, sure, but I'm not a canon junkie. I'm not a lore junkie. I just want to know this story. I'm in this world because all the things that I've listed here today, I'm in this world. It's so real to me. So when I see something new or I hear of something new, I want to know. I don't just want to watch new Star Wars. I just, just don't want to see if all the theories are right, not just mine, but any of the theories out there. And I love a good theory. I just want to know what happens. I want those answers. Uh, so uh, if it's a Disney Plus show like The Acolyte, man, I want to know The Acolyte. What, 200 years ago or at the end of the High Republic era, and I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, I'm fingers crossed for something with the Night Sisters, but I don't know. I don't know, but I want to know the answers of what's going on. Kenobi in the desert. Give me that series. Not because I have a theory of what it means. I have an idea. I have a feeling of what I think the series could be about emotionally. We've talked about it a lot here in Force Center, but I don't know. We don't really know. So I want the answers of what was Kenobi doing during that time. That fateful summer day, by the way, I, got, I was so focused on this. Uh, we were at my friend's house and my mom and dad, uh, uh, and, and, and my friend's parents, it was kind of like, I think it was maybe, uh, maybe it was in the springtime cause it might've been around my birthday or it might've been celebrating the end of school. I, I, that's foggy, but I was a little upset cause there was an uninvited kid there. There was like, my friend's cousin was there and I wasn't sure about Marty and Marty was there and I got, I got, I got a little mean and they actually removed Marty from the party. He probably has a different memory of this. I just, I was so upset because he was a little rambunctious and I wanted to sit and watch Empire. I felt, I felt a little cheated. Uh, I'm not saying I wasn't a brat sometimes. Poor Marty. But this was a day that I was going to watch Empire Strikes Back. And this was the day I was going to get something that's so key to my Star Wars experience. I was going to get answers. I was going to watch what seemed like this living history document. 
almost a documentary of the adventures of these wars and those stars. How did Han get into carbonite? How did Luke lose his hand? Where did Lando come from? Did he really own the Falcon? Was Leia the leader of the rebellion? What's going on? And I remember seeing some imagery of the walkers, the Imperial walkers in a snow planet. What battle was that? And I'll never forget, on a tiny screen from a VHS tape, the crawl of episode five, the story was literally rolling out in front of me. I wasn't literally taking notes, but my heart was. And that feeling stays with me today, and I have a gut feeling that it stays with a lot of you today. Anytime there's a new Star Wars story, anytime you crack open a, a novel, a comic book, you flip on a new episode of The Mandalorian, or you get excited because Disney's announcing new shows, things you have no idea, or the High Republic era begins, there is that one brief moment when you realize you do not know anything that's about to happen in this Star Wars story but you're going to get the answers. And that why, that's why on that day, that fateful, wonderful day, with all apologies to my friend's cousin Marty, who I asked to leave the viewing, I got the answers of Empire Strikes Back, and I absolutely set the tone for how I consume Star Wars on that day and every day since. And I'm thankful for it. Those are my personal favorite Star Wars memories, part of my journey. I hope they connect with yours. I hope there's some similarities. I hope there's some exact same moments. Maybe you kicked out a friend's cousin from a viewing of Empire Strikes Back. I'm sure many of you were on the playground, no matter what era you discovered Star Wars. And maybe, you know what, quite frankly, like I wrote about in Why We Love Star Wars, I think we're all Star Wars kid in a garage, in a room by ourselves, pretending to have a lightsaber fight with no one else there. I think that's all us. And if you were to tell me today I could get a half hour on the playground and bring some of my closest friends, I, I, I think we'd want to reenact Star Wars. I'd love to climb up on that skiff one more time and fight high above the Sarlacc pit. Thanks for listening to Star Wars Ranked here on Force Center. My name's Ken Napsok. For those who don't know, you can follow me at Ken Napsok or go to my website, kennapsok.com. You can also go over to the gpa.fun and uh, join our empire fun that we're building over there. As far as Force Center goes, you can reach out on Force Center Pod at, on Twitter. Use the hashtag Star Wars Ranked to maybe share your own memory. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. And we're also on our Facebook page at Force Center Podcast. Uh, you can go to tpublic.com slash user slash force center to get some merchandise uh, represent force center wherever you go uh, don't forget you can also get an audiobook on us by going to audibletrial.com slash force center uh, again try a free audiobook on us and help out the show you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center because of your support on patreon over the years many cool things have happened like uh, new theme music it's been a little bit but i still enjoy listening to this what is it, in my mind, still new Star Wars-ranked music created by the great Tony Thaxton, uh, does uh, all of our themes, and uh, that's all because of you and your direct support on Patreon. So thank you to our Force Center friends over there. And from the Patreon page, you can get into the Discord server, which is a wonderful community of Star Wars fans. So for all of your memories and all of my memories, that's it for this week. Star Wars has been ranked. <laughs>